Welcome to another episode of Raju Banya Podcast. Unfortunately, Noor, aka Annie, aka my sister, will not be able to join us today. So let's get this thing started off by introducing our brand new category, Best Side Boob. Well, I mean, if we're talking side boob, what side are we talking about? I mean, Oh, that's a good question. Now, do you go right? Do you go left? Yeah. For, for right, it's Rihanna. For left, um, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> Today's episode is on 2006, Kabi Alvida Na Kehna. And our guest today has a unique designation. He's actually somebody that uh, worked on the movie. So as far as complaints about this hunk of shit that we just watched, that's where you can direct your complaints. Yeah, because we got Abhishek Bachchan on the phone. <laughs> So let me introduce him, friend of the family, friend of the pod, when he's not doing his day job, which actually I'm not sure what you do, Ms. Bill. We've been friends for 20 years. I'm not exactly sure what you do for a living. If I had to guess, I'd say probably like a midten impersonator at kids' birthday parties. But when he's not doing his day job, he is producing Netflix-worthy movies. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hi to Ms. Dalvi. Hello, hello. Wow. That's probably the best intro I've gotten ever. And I hope you didn't take the midten impersonator thing as a shot. I know as a brown child growing up in the Middle East, like myself, that is the highest compliment one can be paid. Absolutely, man. I mean, Mitten was the man back then. I mean, everyone was uh, talking Amitabh Bachchan and he was throwing hits after hits, which is good. But for me, the love of Bollywood was all about dancing and who better than uh, Mitten? It was either him or Jitender. And uh, you know me, uh, it's uh, the white shoes just... Actually, I do like white shoes as well, but but that just wasn't the case. Obviously, you are an Indian movie fan. You're a movie fan overall. Like I said in the intro, you are involved in movie making to some capacity. You know, why don't you take us back to when it, there was a little Ms. Badalvi, I'm sure, just entertaining all the ladies, all the aunties and stuff like that. So just so just talk a little bit about the influence of Bollywood in your life. Yeah, so um, I'm a child of the 80s, born in the 80s. And for me, Bollywood... I don't even remember when it started. I think I have videos uh, when I was two years old and there was a big birthday party and I was in the middle getting the attention and doing all the dance moves. So it's been there for me since I was a child. And as I was uh, growing up in the 90s, you know, that's when everything sort of like got a lot more intense for me with Bollywood. I mean, I got into a lot more dancing and impersonating and that's when Shah Rukh Khan was coming out and about and I actually had my entire room with filled with Shah Rukh Khan posters. So I think that there was a lot of... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is the first time I'm actually admitting to this. So hopefully this gets edited out. <laughs> but yeah, I was... For me, that was sort of like... And, and I'm very intense about things, right? I mean, when I'm into something, I'm very intense, just as my personality. And you can probably speak to that as well, Raheel. Mm -hmm. So my intensity as I grew older and I was watching these movies and what started off for me was was Shah Rukh Khan is what really, really got me into Bollywood. And it's just the, the the atmosphere we had in my house. My mom was not too much into it, but my dad was exactly like how I was. He was doing events, functions. He would like to hold the mic. He would be hosting parties and events. And at the end of every party, he'd be like, now Ms. Bell's going to dance. And lo and behold, that was it. And, and I never shied away. So I was very comfortable impersonating, dancing, and, and I was always looking for new ideas. That's where also a lot of the romantic Mizba came about as well. Oh, so, you my know. goodness. Oh, good. Look at that. Romantic Mizba talks yeah. in third person, yeah. which is <laughs> interesting. I'm going to be talking about that with the missus later on. Congratulations. 
<laughs> it's interesting that you know that you specifically talked about your dad and you know how much of an influence that was because we, we touched on this before but I think those brown kids that grew up in the Middle East I think for our fathers specifically for my father also you know Indian movies it was a big thing for them it was one of the ways that we could stay in touch with our culture right so I think that's probably where we have a connection I think my dad would have loved to have kids that were talented enough to, uh, <laughs> to dance at parties and stuff like that unfortunately uh, uh, neither Nabil or I, um, you know, when we were growing up. He didn't make you guys sing? So I have this very vivid memory of going to one of these parties, and my dad wanted us to do, like, Saudi National Anthem. So I remember getting on stage <laughs> and just absolutely just bombing out. And I just remember looking at my dad and being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Wow. Then, do you remember the Saudi National Anthem? I, Is it Surah Fatah? I, I, oh, wow. <laughs> Those are the only two that I know anymore. I don't remember the actual anthem, but I remember basically what it sounds like. It sounds like you're just going to do an impression of what you think an Arabic song would sound like. Um, for, for all it's worth, I mean, Fahd, he can say anything gibberish and you probably won't even get it you'll be like yeah that's right that's the that's the Saudi yeah, anthem that's true how dare you push back on me as an abcd seriously fan? what gives you the right uh, well, first of all you're what are you you're an sbcd so <laughs> who gives a shit all right? <laughs> listen man the middle east brown kids are just born different we're built i don't know what when this podcast became a middle east brown kid circle jerk but all right, we're out here born in the U.S., child of the <laughs> 80s, child of the crack era. All right, I was here when, like, you know, Big and Tupac was happening. Where were you? I was here also, actually. I were you? Here by then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, um, Mizba, your room was full of Shah Rukh Khan posters. Yes. But, like, which poster? Like, were they, like, Film Fair magazine cutouts, or did you, like, actually have... No, like, no, I, went out I, I, uh, I remember I went to Pakistan, and I bought, like, these full-blown-out, I would say, like, four feet by six. Like, like I'm talking, like, life-size giant posters. Like, there were, there were two <laughs> giant posters, and then I remember, because all my cousins uh, in Pakistan knew I was a Shah Rukh Khan fan, they actually even framed, like, four or five posters of his in a nice frame and gave me as a birthday present i thought it was the best thing that has ever happened to me seriously oh. and uh, uh i have some pictures you know with those little whiskers the mustache that you have that you all your desi parents tell you never to shave <laughs> so i have i have pictures in shahrukh khan poses uh, next to those uh, poses as well it's, i can't believe i'm talking about this but this is, but I, I feel like this is where everything comes out it's like uh you know it's like I'm, I'm i feel like i'm preparing a book on myself right now yeah, there you go. it's like it, it's therapy yeah. basically it's therapy yeah you're just letting it all out it's a safe space well it's not this is going to be used against you probably <laughs> in a court of law i think it's been over 10 years to your marriage i know where this movie is about infidelity you may want to just make sure all your assets are protected uh, after this <laughs> i made sure of that i just want to bring out one more point uh Raheel, since you brought up your dad right and i have seen your dad's pictures in those um aviator ray-ban glasses and um you know the, the high collar pops with with the bell-bottom jeans mm -hmm. and i have a lot of pictures of my dad in the same and mm -hmm. i didn't notice that too much when i was a kid because i don't think my kids notice how i dress i did notice my mom because obviously she's a lady of the house but as i grew older and i started seeing these pictures i'm like wow dad was really really cool i feel a lot of my influence a lot of because bollywood is not only about movies right it's music it's dance it's just dealing with people it's culture it's fashion and a lot of that really transcended like who i am right now so that's a really good point about bringing your dad into this just having met your dad and you having met my dad you can see that filmy bazi or not <laughs> or whatever that is 
right? <laughs> like, I know my dad, while he was going to college and Elmore and stuff like that, he had an active interest, not just in watching, like, dramas and, like, movies and stuff like that. He was interested in, actually, the industry. Like, you know, he would go and watch, like, the recordings and stuff like that, the tapings. He was friends with people like Nadim and stuff wow. like that, right? So that stuff definitely had an influence on him. And I think when he moved to a faraway land, like Saudi Arabia, or in your dad's case, uh, like uh, Abu Dhabi. I think, you know, those are just the things that they were trying to hold on to, something that reminded them of home. And it's weird, you know, thinking about that now as an adult, thinking about your father in a situation like that, because generally we just think of our dads as our dads, right? We don't think of them as dudes that were our age once. You know, all of us, we are very, very influenced by pop culture. So it's only natural that it was the same for them. If I look at your family and your better two siblings... It's, it's, there's a lot of creativity that, that all three of you have. And, um, no doubt at a subconscious level that, that is probably passed down as, uh, you know, from your dad, the family Jew. I think we're just, we're all just uh, attention to the three of us. But thank you for that background. You did mention Shah Khan. I was not aware of the intensity of your uh, Shah Rukh Khan fandom. So let's talk about Shah Rukh Khan specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that you liked him when he started coming out. He became your guy, I'm assuming. Right. You had that experience in Abu Dhabi. You moved to the U.S. What's your relationship been like with just Shah Rukh Khan the actor and Shah Rukh Khan the entertainer? It's interesting you actually bring the actor and entertainer together because I would probably also put Shah Rukh Khan as a person in there. There's a lot about if you watch his interviews or if you read about him that brings out his personal life into that whole realm as well. So I'll probably take all three together. I didn't watch any of the Shah Rukh Khan dramas before he came into Bollywood. Like for me, the scene was really set when I saw him in Divana. I saw the intensity. Uh, after that, I think uh, Dil Ashnahe and Raju Bangay Gentleman in the same year. That's when sort of like everything sort of came together. I'm like, before Shah Rukh Khan, really it was, in joke society, it was really Mithun and Amitabh Bachchan. So Shah Rukh Khan, I would easily say for me, he is probably the best actor in uh, Bollywood when he plays to his strengths or and when he plays the role that he that is given to him I would like to say that he is a fantastic entertainer he owns the room and as a person when you read about him when you understand the the trials that he's been through to be where he is to me he's just not an actor he's just basically and not for me obviously I'm not worshipping him but like it, I can understand when people idealize him so much that they end up crying or they end up just becoming diehard about some someone like him. Uh, I can see that because once you get into his life as a person, and this is not, and he's he's admitted this, this is not something that he has, it's not only him. There, there are divine powers that has brought him to a point where an orphan goes on to basically rule the world in that sense. I feel like there's something in our culture or in Bollywood specifically that makes our relationship with like celebrity kind of to that level you know I, I don't think there's anybody in America or there there used to be like you know like John Wayne and Clark Gable and all that stuff but nowadays I don't know if it's it's because the culture is different or the actors are different but there's not that much like fandom yeah the, the mania isn't as apparent I don't think in American culture the place where I do see it now obviously is the k-pop stuff Right. I think that also has to play with the era that we're living in because everything is just coming to us so fast. It's so easy to move on from one social media star to the other. But I do think that, you know, talk about boy bands, man. I mean, I think that that was a craze in America at that time too. Uh, So maybe not so much Hollywood centric, but there was a crowd that was really into 
crazy, crazy fan. For some reason over here in America, it's more about music fandom than it is movies, it feels like. Like that kind of intensity that people bring to like Taylor Swift or whatever is the same type of energy that people had for Shah Rukh Khan or have if they grew up at that time. I'm sure they're actors nowadays that get that same type of like passionate follow. I mean, so do you see people tattooing Taylor Swift on their chest? I'm sure if I did a Google search, I would come up with a million. 100%. If I lifted my shirt right now. Fad got an R. Kelly tattoo in 2007. Hey, man. Bye, R. Kelly. Bye, R. Kelly. Fad, were you 18 then? Yeah, I mean, it was after the trial. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, so, Mizba, what is your top five Shah Rukh Khan movies? I, I want to do top five and worst five as well. Has that ever happened? I don't think we have, but that's not a bad... That could have been the entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my top five. And are you guys in a position to give your worst five as well? Or should I just go with my worst five as well? You go with your worst five and we'll see if All we right, agree. agree. Okay. We'll comment on it. So let's go with the worst first because I always want to hear the bad news before the good news. My worst five movies, uh, I would say number five is Dilwale. I think that he took his audience for a ride. He got his friends together. He got a director together, threw a bunch of money. He's like, let's make a movie, have fun. And it was absolute crap. Yeah. Number four is Zamana Divana. Terrible movie. I don't. Do you, do you guys watch that for this podcast? I don't yeah. think we've got. No, no, you yet. definitely did. But you watch Zamana Divana and then you erased it from your mind. <laughs> Luckily, I was not a part of this podcast while that was going wow. on. Oh, I remember this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah that Rubina was wild. Yeah. Not the terrible, terrible one with Ravina Tandem, but the yeah. other one. Yeah, no, this was really yeah. bad. Number three was Shakti. What a... Ooh, Ooh, Shakti the Power? Yeah. Shakti, Shakti the Power. Wow. It was pretty good, actually. I actually like oh, that really? movie. <laughs> 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 is a tour de force in that movie. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, maybe he was a Shah Rukh Khan. I mean, I just, I just was not impressed. You didn't like his uh, fake uh, Bihari no, accent? Too- oh, no wonder. There we go. There we go. That's the reason why Shakti is liked in this audience. Number two is Gudu. Yeah. Yeah. And number one is Bacha. Whoa. That's your least favorite uh, Shah Rukh Khan movie? Every time that song Bacha or Bacha comes up, it just drives me crazy. I just was not able to sit through that. I, I watched the movie, but it was way difficult for me. Whoa. I don't know if that's made people's top fives but i wouldn't be surprised if it was close because no it, yes it ba- definitely has people it has right at, yeah yeah people look at bacha very very favorably um I, I think it may have been you know where you were in your life at that time is if i'm correct is like late 90s yes right, yeah so it was probably, you know you were too cool for school i think you took the those posters off your wall you're probably confused by the boners that they were giving you <laughs> um and you're just like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna love this dude anymore but people love bacha yeah i mean it's it's i put it, it's like a trifecta with yes boss bacha and duplicate like i feel like those three go together i was not a fan oh, there you go hot take well send your complaints to care of ms badalvi <laughs> all right, all right sorry, moving go on to top five. five so number five i've got two i've got dil to pagal hai and chennai express because i think um Chennai Express was hilarious. I don't know if it makes anyone's top five, but it made mine. Number four is Kabiha Kabina. Number three, Dave Das. Number two, Virzara. I was out on you, Ms. Badawi. I was gonna I was gonna stop this episode, but you just <laughs> won me back. But Virzara has a very personal story for me as well, because that's where my story with the Amna and Zara started. So Amna slash Zara. Oh, so anyways. That's true. And number one is Dilwala Dulanya Chinese. So there's 
Absolutely, yeah. Okay. There's, there's no way, no denying on that one. Yeah, I'll say your top three are really common top threes, but Del Tupagale and Kabiha uh, Kabina, I think that's the first time that they've made it to the See, I wanted five. to put Raju Bunga Gentleman in there as well, and Chuck the India too, because I think that these are movies where you see his character transform, and I think that that to me was exciting for these films. Very, very yeah. sort of like average Joe characters that he played. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, as we're going through the podcast and watching these movies the the tendency has always been that Shah Khan is playing the same character that's what the narrative is but just seeing some of these movies you do see the actor kind of shine through so we recently saw Swade Street yeah. and it's unlike any other Shah Khan movie but he's still charming like he still captures that superstar persona even though it's a quiet role we're learning to appreciate well at least I am learning to appreciate the actor more because obviously he's a big time entertainer and look I mean if we go back to this conversation I think that that Shah Rukh Khan is, and don't kill me for this, but I think he's a he's a victim of his own success. Oh, Jesus Christ, this again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Because here's the thought, right? Shah Rukh Khan has tried different roles. He has tried different characters. And these are critically acclaimed movies, but they just don't make the cut commercially. Why does Amir Khan's movies make those cuts, right? The reason is that Amir Khan has sort of like moved into this transformative character in each and every one of his movies, but the audience always wants Shah Rukh Khan to do what he does. When when he opens his hands or when he gives that dimple smile or when he flays his hair, there's like so much of that. I'm not sure how much of the new generation he's capturing because most of his fans are still the ones who are lingering on from the early 90s. I'm not sure how much of those new ones are. Yeah. But that's said, I watch Indian movies with my kids as well. If you ask them, okay, name me an actor from Bollywood, they will probably only remember Shah Rukh Khan. Now, I don't know if that's because of my love for him, but they truly enjoy his movies. But I also think that it's kind of a cop-out to say that he's giving the people what they want. That's why he's like trapped in this thing. It kind of takes the onus off of him, in my opinion, because if he does something new and it hits and people like it, then he'll keep doing that. Like when he came out, he was the villain. He was the anti-hero and all that stuff. And that, that was great. Everybody loved it. And then he gave us another look with ddlj and everybody really loved that so he kept giving us that and i just think that there's different facets to him and like if he, if shah khan was cast in dungal and he was trying to do what amir khan did like he he wouldn't change his body at all like he would he wouldn't change anything he would just be shah khan as a wrestler in rajasthan like that's that's just what he would do i mean he went short and zero <laughs> <laughs> he cut his height into half so I, i'm not i'm not too sure I, I i just don't think for example when we talk about imtiaz ali right imtiaz ali has made some really amazing movies um tamasha and he made Jab We Met, right? Jab We Met yeah. and oh, Highway. Cool. There's, there's so many good movies. Mm -hmm. And when he gets Shah Rukh Khan, he just makes an absolute crapper in When Harry Met Sejal. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll give you an interesting piece on this. My producing partner when I'm making movies, his name is Atit, and his dad uh, was a line producer for Dharma Productions, which is Karan Johar's films, and, and Yashraj. He was with uh, the director for Rawan when they were doing location scouting in the US. And this director, uh, he's from the South, and he made some big hit movies and whatnot. And he was a very, very genuinely artistic director. He was just 
over the moon when they were doing location scouting that he is getting to work with Shah Rukh Khan. Mm. And so to me, that was like, I'm fairly certain that any director who picks him out, instead of fitting their role into Shah Rukh Khan, they try to fit Shah Rukh Khan into the role, mm. which, which is where I feel a lot of these differences are made. Yeah, I think, you know, I know we got to get to the movie, but, you know, it is interesting that you bring up, you know, how much of it is the director's responsibility, right? Which I understand. Shah Rukh Khan in the movie that we just watched, uh, is absolutely horrible. But um, I put that more on Karan Johar. But just to your point, this is something that Sumit brought up also, right? Which is, well, he's at the mercy of the director's son and the directors don't know what to do with him. Which, sure, may be true, but Shah Rukh Khan is also a big enough star to do whatever the hell it is that he wants to do. At the end of the day, Amir Khan's movies hit because they're good movies. The movies that Shah Rukh Khan has been doing recently have been dog shit. I, I don't think that, like Fahad said, I wouldn't want to take the onus off of him because he's a producer on a lot of these things now, right? So if the if the product ends up being bad, a lot of that, however much of the blame that you want to place on him, I think it's fair. His intensity and what he wanted to do in terms of where he wanted to get, he wanted to truly rule Bollywood. And when he won his first Filmfare Award for Bazigar, he actually went backstage before the awards and tried to bribe the organizers yeah, I remember this. to get him the award. So that was the intensity that he had, that he really, really wanted this, right? Fast forward 30 years now, this guy has everything. When you look at him now, when you look at his interviews now, he just seems very disconnected. He's seen it all. He's done it all. So for him, he is just looking for something different, I feel. He's just looking for something that that is not the same. That's what I would think. I would think that Shah Rukh Khan is looking for something different and trying to because he has done everything that anybody that gets into any film industry would want to achieve. He is the gold standard of achievement. But th- I think that's my problem with like with this era of Shah Rukh Khan's career, like the past 15 years, because we, we just got through probably his best stretch of movies from like mm-hmm. the early 2000s to the mid 2000s. One after another, they're all bangers 10 out of 10 then you start getting into the kanks and you get into like japta kejan and all these other movies and you're like why why are you doing this to me oh why God. are you doing this to yourself I'm, i would expect I'm him so glad i didn't i didn't to... put japta kejan in my top five bro that was the one that was the movie that made me like quit bollywood altogether like i had not watched the movie a bollywood what movie i didn't chances, even like bro, that someone can get hit by a car twice what are the chances <laughs> I've also brought this up before. I don't think there's ever been a scene of somebody getting hit by a car in a movie that isn't absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like just, every single time, I just can't stop. We have one of that in in this film too. So, which we should talk about. Yes, Kabi Alvidanakana, directed by Karan Johar, came out in 2006. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spoil the podcast for anybody, but it's a terrible movie about trash people doing trash things to each other. <laughs> Shah Rukh Khan plays dev he's a soccer star and he's married to preeti zinta who's a high-powered magazine editor like classic new york city movie form <laughs> on the other side you've got another couple with rani Mukherjee plays maya abhishek bachan plays rishi they all live in new york and they're all married and they're all miserable Shah Khan early on in the movie meets maya on her wedding day they talk about how maya doesn't love her husband who she's supposed to marry that day and Shah Khan says that's okay because you know sometimes convenient marriages are the way to go <laughs> and he promptly gets hit by a car it's again hilarious and we flash forward four years and everybody is now miserable everybody's still married Shah Rukh Khan his playing career is over but now he's just 
an angry, bitter man with a limp. He's also the most abusive youth soccer coach that's ever existed. And father. And father, yeah. At one point, he literally picks up his kid and just throws him. (laughs) (laughs) So Rishi and Maya, they are still married. Rishi loves Maya, but Maya is indifferent towards Rishi. So Maya and Dave decide that they're going to work together to save their marriage. But what ends up happening is they don't try very hard and they end up sleeping with each other. At the same time that that's going on, Rishi and Rhea decide to work together and fix their marriage. And they actually try harder. They don't sleep together. Because they're actually trying to fix their marriage. But it doesn't work. And eventually, Amitabh Bachchan, who's also in this movie as Sexy Sam... He sees Maya and Dev making out in front of Grand Central Station. Amitabh Bachchan happens to be Maya's father-in-law. And uh, he dies that night of a broken heart. But before he dies, he tells his daughter-in-law to tell Rishi that she's having this affair. Eventually, they tell their spouses that they're having an affair. And obviously, their spouses kick them out. But for some inexplicable reason these two people who love each other and are trash human beings do not tell one another that their spouses have kicked them out and so for three years they're just lonely they eat dinner by themselves and you know it's not that bad of a life (laughs) but they flash forward maya is invited to rishi's wedding he's marrying Catherine, who seems lovely real hot she's real hot she's lovely at the wedding maya runs into ria who explains to her that uh, she kicked her trash-ass husband out the house years ago and Maya should go chase him down at the station and, I don't know, marry him, I guess? Which is what happens, and that's how the movie ends. It's a terrible movie. I hated it. (laughs) I guess, yeah, so I guess uh, the first thing to do would be to get initial reactions. Fahad was very kind to let us know that he hated it. (laughs) Uh, Bisba, as our Mehman. I, I guess if you want to talk about, just in terms of the movie, not your experience working on it, we'll get into that in a little bit, but what you remember of when it came out, what your experience was like watching it this time. So there's definitely, uh, for me, it's a pre-Raju Bangya podcast review and post-Raju Bangya yeah. podcast because this was the second time I watched that movie. So the first time I watched it, it came out in 2006. I just could not relate, connect. I just didn't understand the movie. I just wasn't able to relate with Shah Rukh Khan and just the whole atmosphere of Rani Mukherjee with her crying. I mean, for God's sake, every single mo- moment. And it would be so odd. You would see her normal. Then you would see tears dropping down her cheeks. And then the next shot, there's no more tears. It was just really, really bizarre on how that yeah. whole thing was shot. That said, for this podcast, I had to watch the movie again because obviously I wanted to erase that memory. And I actually did not mind this movie. But the storyline was something and the characters were some that I was able to at least understand from a marriage perspective why someone would want to choose to do this movie it's still there's a lot of flaws there's a lot of issues with how some of these scenes were done and the reasoning behind them and why is Karan Johar who's gay doing this like there's just so many questions out there but I think what if you look at the time that was done uh, this was Karan Johar's third movie he wanted to pick a topic on infidelity uh, he was asked as to why are you doing a movie on this he said that why not because because it's such a taboo topic right people don't want to talk about it but yet so much of that goes on I actually would want to go out on a limb and say that this movie was ahead of his time because from a storyline perspective how much of this stuff do you see right now on Netflix there's so much of this stuff that's happening right now there's sure. so many movies that are being made on this but because we're so much more aware there's more social media there's more there's what's that 
uh, uh, Raheel, you, uh, uh, Ashley Madison. Yeah, I like uh, how you throw my name in there, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was going to say that, but then I realized you're not married, so I say, why would you know about that, right? You're just beating up people's marriages. Right. <laughs> so there's, there's, you just get to hear about this so much more, and I think that the audience might have a different reaction to it because I know that people didn't like it that much. That said, the movie was, was a hit, and it made money and more for its producers. So I'm not saying that I'm a big fan of this movie. I'm probably sure. not going to watch it again ever but I, I think that there was a message in this movie which was probably not relayed in the best way but the circumstances and the situations and just the human characters they were a little bit more realistic to me watching the second time i think my problem with the movie is not necessarily the storyline it is it's, it's the characters specifically maya and dave because it felt like this movie wanted me to root for them and i could not I did exactly. not care if they want, got together at the end. I probably wanted them not to. My experience with the movie was, you know, I watched it in the theaters when it came out in 2006. I remember being actually excited about the topic. And I remember being excited, you know, partially because I knew my buddy here was on set, mm -hmm. right? So I'd heard stories about it. This was a movie that made me want to stop watching it. Wow. I had a terrible fucking you know, it starts off with this scene of Shah Rukh Khan as a soccer star in America with a victory tattoo. Oh, right? my God. And yeah, somehow this piece of shit keeps getting worse and worse from there. It's incredible. I had a really bad memory of it. So then I went back and just to see if that memory was accurate. And it's actually worse. <laughs> this is a dog shit, terrible movie. It's horribly executed. You know, Mizbah, I understand, you know, the thing about taboo topics like infidelity. Trust me, I love watching infidelity stuff. Right? Most of the content <laughs> I watch online is centered around infidelity. I'm not married. <laughs> it seems like the only way I'm going to be getting some at any point is going to be, uh, you know, as a beneficiary of somebody's infidelity. So I have, I hold that very, very high in my heart. Um, <laughs> But it has to be handled by somebody who has the craftsmanship to be able to handle a subject like that. You know, Silsila came out, I'd say, what, 25 years before this movie? Mm -hmm. So it's not that audiences aren't used to hearing about this stuff. And it's not that audience are made uncomfortable by this stuff. The reason why this movie sucks is because Garen Johar isn't the right director to do stuff like this. He does not have the confidence. He doesn't have the subtlety. Frankly, he doesn't have the humanity to, you know, to <laughs> talk about yeah. characters that deserve to be shown on screen. This movie is fucking terrible. I would disagree with the terrible part. I think that this is a really bad movie. Absolutely. I, however, think just being on the set, right? I saw Karan Johar completely. Like when we were on the movie sets. The only job that Karan Johar was doing was really with the actors. He was just at all times just engrossed in those scenes with them. And now obviously that's what all directors do. They would rather be directing actors than directing the set. Uh, and he, do he does hire people he trusts and he leaves it to them in terms of running uh, all the extra stuff. But that said, I agree with you on the fucking intros, man. I mean, pretty, he starts off with pretty and does ass, all right? Then he goes on Shah Rukh Khan's tattoo, and every time Amitabh Bachchan came, that, that sexy Sam, sexy Sam. Oh my dude, God. Like, what the, the hell? Thing. And he does that with every each one of his movies. And in that time, when it Kabi Hushi Kabi Gam, Kuch Kuch Hota, there was always this like, so Karan Johar actually just went with his formula. He's like, okay, this works. A movie starting with the letter K, which has four words, it has Shah Rukh Khan. I am basically 
going to take this topic and I'm going to put this in my formula and I'm going to make this movie out. So from that perspective, this movie just bombed completely. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is that when I watched this this time around, and maybe it's because I had such low expectations, because I had such a bad time the first time, I couldn't connect at all on why Shah Rukh Khan wanted out of his marriage. I couldn't yeah. connect why Rani Mukherjee wanted out of her marriage, right? And then when they're going to the hotel and doing that love scene, like they were miserable. I mean, why the hell would you <laughs> do something as amazing as fucking when you're miserable, right? So I never got that trope in movies where like in periods of like extreme grief, people just bone. Like yeah. I don't <laughs> understand. Like I've never gotten horny from a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at my funeral, if you you know if you feel the need please by all means go for it <laughs> i mean are you gonna have the horniest funeral i've ever current <laughs> because... <laughs> was sick when they were shooting that scene and he told shahrukh to shoot that scene for him oh. and shahrukh was very uncomfortable so amita bachan ended up <laughs> what the hell is going on on the set <laughs> directing that scene so, so take it for what it is, but it was just, it, it just did not make sense. I mean, like infidelity happens, extramarital affairs happen. The premise on why these two characters wanted to move away with such good spouses was just something I was not able to connect with. And in fact, finding some of this stuff, he said that sometimes normal marriages also turn out this way. And that's, that's probably true, but people talk about it. You know, you yeah. get into conversations, you just don't completely abandon and think that, okay, this is going to happen. I mean, I don't connect with that, but what I'm trying to say is that the second time around because my expectations were so low I think that because I'm married you can sort of like get the feel get the sense as to why he was trying to do this movie and that's the part that I was able to sort of like flow with yeah I mean there were there were pieces of this that I can understand but I think fundamentally like the crux of the movie is the entire thing is built on Shah Rukh Khan and Rani Mukherjee and their relationship and their relationship with their spouses like those are the people who are above the line and Preeti Zinta and Abhishek are supporting actors Preeti Zinta even more so like she's barely in this but Shah Khan is such a piece of shit like human being <laughs> that there's no redeeming quality to him in this movie yeah and then Rani Mukherjee plays the same character and every I, I've I've realized through doing this podcast that I am not a Rani Mukherjee fan I think she seems like the most boring actress like all of the characters are like killjoys and I'm just <laughs> like yo I'm not I I just don't support these characters and and the fact that like Shah Khan is like this bitter person who takes all of his frustration out on his wife and child who seem perfectly fine like she did nothing like their spouses did nothing wrong in this movie and that's fine right because I think you're right in in marriage things happen you people get bored whatever happens but they didn't even go with that angle of it like that they're bored it just it, I just couldn't get over the fact that these characters are so trash. exactly like I think you know, sure. If you want to praise the movie for the subject matter, that's fine. If you want to say that, oh, it's brave or whatever, okay, great. But to me, you don't get credit just because you're taking on a tough subject. At, at the end of the day, the movie itself has got to be worth it. And like you know, I know it's a Karan Johar movie. You know, going into it, having seen Kuchu Chota and K3G and stuff like that, like I know that I'm gonna be paying some sort of like Karan Johar tax, right? Like right. I know that there's gonna be a level of corniness to this thing. But at least in Kuchka Chotaha and K3G, you could rely on him getting characters right. In this movie, he doesn't even get the characters right. You know, it's one thing that I'm uncomfortable by his twisted view of America. You know, he doesn't understand how America actually is. He's just shooting from, you know, weird location to weird location. None of it makes sense. Uh, Amitabh is some sort of, you know, weird uh, sex-crazed maniac. Because he's grieving his wife. Don't forget that. Yeah, because he's grieving his wife. 
by the way, that's that's an awesome way to be a widow. <laughs> like, or a widower. You're just like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it in because that's what my wife would have wanted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Until I talk about it at my birthday party. You know, it's funny that first scene that Amitabh shows up in, it's after Rishi's uh, bachelor party. He knocks on the door and Amitabh gives him like a kiss on the cheek right after he spent the night with the with the hooker. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking, like, you are passing on HBV to the <laughs> day of his wedding. That oh character God. is so irredeemable. Kanjo would have been better off doing a real life story in Rani Mukherjee because you guys know that she married Aditya Chopra, who was already married with a kid. Ooh. Oh, I got. And yes, Chopra, Aditya's father, actually disowned Aditya for some time because they were they he really you know they really liked their daughter in law. And, and that would make sense because hey, you're a hot producer, you fell for a not so hot actress, <laughs> and uh, and that really got you going. But here's my thought on the character, right? Shah Rukh Khan, when you watch his interviews on this, he said that I do not relate to the character. I do not believe in infidelity and extramarital affairs, hint, hint, Priyanka Chopra. I don't know if you guys know about that. But you can see him checked out in this movie. What was interesting was what I think that he was trying to do, what Karanjo was trying to do, was to show that there's a dissatisfied guy there's a guy who is inherently just bitter about everything. That's why he's not happy in his marriage. Even the way he dealt with Rani Mukherjee in the beginning scenes, like very cynic, very sarcastic, right? He, he wanted to show that he's just fed up with life. In real life, you can see, you know, if you are just a bitter person, you're just a sad person, you're going to transcend that around you and vice versa. If you're a happy person, you're going to transcend that around you. But for some reason, that angriness just was not, it was there even before the soccer match. He was just this weird, like, talking shit, gibberish, like frustrated guy before the soccer match. So nothing really, his stupid crippling walk didn't change that. I agree with you guys at a, to, to a lot of extent, but the second time around, I just didn't have that bad of a time. I don't know. Oh, well. I mean, Adam, maybe if I ever get forced to watch this movie again, which, you know, <laughs> I it doesn't happen. Okay, there are a couple of things in this movie that I did like. Aside from the whole sexy Sam part of it, I thought when Amitabh Bachchan was being a real human being, I thought he killed it. The scene at dinner where Shah Rukh Khan is Ooh. making the worst joke that has ever where he's seriously like, oh, I'm yeah, in love with that a Maya. joke by the way I banged your daughter-in-law why did Abhishek Bachchan get up and smash the glass on his face yeah what a piece because, of because yeah. Karan Johar doesn't know how human beings work <laughs> yeah it was terrible but yeah so uh, Shah Rukh Khan is at dinner at Maya and Rishi's house Shah Rukh Khan makes a joke that he's actually in love with Maya and not his wife then he says oh I'm just joking and everybody around the table laughs except for Amitabh Bachchan who just stares him down with his like hand over his mouth and he's just staring at him he does so much without any words and he does it again when he catches maya and they've making out maya comes back home and amitabh is just sitting at like the counter and he's just staring at her and he doesn't say a word she's just talking her head off because she's panicked whatever and then he just walks out and leaves without saying a word and those two scenes i feel like were actually like worth something and that's the frustrating thing the reason why he kills it in those scenes is because it's amitabh right he has the talent and also you know karen Johar has the talent we've seen it in k3g we've seen it in Christian Chotai. he does know how to shoot those scenes and sorry he knows how to write those scenes he knows what human reactions should be which is what makes all of this shit 
so frustrating. Yes. You know, it's like, it's not just that I don't like Karen Johar's direction of it or whatever. It's that Karen Johar doesn't have the confidence in his own abilities or in his movie to actually shoot this thing though, or, you know, to tell the story the way that it deserves to be told. If he did, then, you know, you wouldn't have like this whole Black Beast, you know, side. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Absolutely no it's because he doesn't, you know, he's like, oh, I got to throw in some elements of humor bullshit because I have to make this a banger. And that is a sign of a weak filmmaker or at least a filmmaker that shouldn't be making this movie. I, I, so let's put it this way. When you think about Karen Jor, what do you guys think? When you think about current Jor movies, actually, what do you guys think? When I think of a current Jor movie, when I think of it positively, I think of Kuch Kuch Hota Hai. When I think of it negative, like, I don't even think about this movie. I don't think about My Name is Gone. When I think about it negatively, it's the parts of K3G that I don't like, but I understand why people still like. Current Johar movies for me are larger than life sets. His heroine, his his actresses, and his actors need to look glamorous at all times. Even the scenes like in a village has to look proper, right? I mean, everything is very, very organized. When you're tackling something like extramarital affairs, there's nothing glamorous about it. So if this movie scaled down tremendously on its colorfulness and its songs and its I mean can you think about it right both of the spouses both of the couples had a heated conversation they leave their place coincidentally Rani and Shah Rukh Khan end up at the train station the fucking coincidences in this movie is unbelievable like New York City is a joke everyone is seeing bumping into everyone everywhere and you just got out of such a heated argument with your spouse and the next thing is you end up in a train station you express your love and the title song of this movie comes on and you're seeing Shah Rukh Khan flaying his hands and, and the hairs waving for Rani Mukherjee. I mean, that was a disconnect for me. So it goes back to the point where maybe this movie could have been handled by someone else, going back to your point, Raheel. But I think Karan Johar, because of his larger-than-life movies, should not have attempted such a sensitive topic. Exactly. To summarize Raheel's point, I guess, it would be that any time a human story needs to be told, Karan Johar should not be called. <laughs> like... Anything that requires any degree of subtlety, <laughs> do not pick up the phone. You got a dead mom and an eight-year-old child? You know what? I'll sign me up. <laughs> yes. But then, Fahad, why did you like the Amitabh scene, you know, where he's so drawn out? And, and Raheel is talking about the K3G, some of these scenes. Like, he's able to take some of these emotions really well. He's able to handle these emotions really well. I think, I mean, that's my problem, though. Is like, that. that is what the whole movie should have been, is that level of just, like, quiet moments. And I don't think Karan Johar knows how to do a quiet moment i don't think he knows how to show introspection or show that somebody is thinking something without saying yeah, it or he doesn't have the confidence to just let those quiet moments kind of lead the story right he has to create the noise because that's what's been successful about him but you know like you said maybe he's not the right person to make this movie right like i wouldn't want to watch like a michael bay movie about the holocaust <laughs> So, yeah, you know, uh, Pearl Harbor. You, oh, my God. What a disaster. Yeah, no, that, that's a very good comparison. That's I think. a great comparison. Yeah. Wow. Mark Wahlberg as Anne Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Optimus Prime as Anne Frank's father. <laughs> so the idea for Karen Johar for this movie came when he watched Before Sunset, the David Lintacker movie. Uh, Richard Lintacker. Uh, Richard, I'm sorry. That trilogy is an amazing movie. It, it's so well made. You don't see any dances. You don't see, like, it's just so many dialogues. There's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. It's just basically two people just talking and going through their life. I will say that I didn't mind the Bollywood. Like Raheel said, you pay a Karan Johar tax when you watch a Karan Johar movie and the wind machine and the rain machine and, you know, the oversized length, all that stuff is part and parcel of it. So I, I'm not I'm not mad at that. I know what I'm signing yeah, up for. You know, like if you 
think of like the songs and like the cinematography and just what you see on screen, the sets and the costumes and all this other stuff. It's beautiful to look at. That actually drives my frustration and my anger even more. It's like you have the budget. You have very talented actors. It's just like be confident in the story. You don't need to do all this bullshit, but you do. And you end up with a steaming pile of shit like this. Oh, another thing that I liked was Abhishek Bachchan. I thought that yeah, both Bachchans did a good job yeah. in this movie. Because Abhishek, Abhishek played like a real person. Yeah. And I thought that his and Maya's relationship was more realistic, obviously, than Dev and Rhea, because Shah Rukh Khan was not even from this planet in this movie. But... <laughs> I did like Shah Rukh Khan's comic timing, though. I don't know if you guys... Did you? I couldn't get a single I... laugh. I, out of this I movie was like so upset it was like it was abusive to have <laughs> yeah. to sit through this bullshit like it was so bad maybe for me I, I've seen the recent Shah Rukh Khan movies and he looks like he's aging right but after a long time I saw an older Shah Rukh Khan movie and I sort of like connected with the fact that why why I'm such a big fan I guess right so that's why maybe that's why I was able to connect with it uh, the comic timing that is at least I didn't feel any of the comic timing you know there's this thing that's usually like a cop out for bad movies and bad directors and bad actors actors where they're just like well you know i'm playing like a troubled character you're not supposed to like me but there's levels to that thing i mean like you know like on paper tony soprano is a terrible human being but he is compelling to watch yes nothing about this character that Shah Rukh khan is playing is compelling to watch he is miserable every single moment on screen that he's that you're watching him it's uncomfortable it's terrible acting and like you said Mispa, you can tell that he's not buying into this shit either he's like doing a kid's version of what somebody who's miserable should look like you know what the most inexplicable scene of this movie is that stuck with me for like two weeks is when they basically say that they're going to leave their spouses and then go back to them like 12 times in this movie it doesn't make any sense but at one point they're sitting at the train station and Shah Rukh Khan in his growl voice tells Maya that he's gonna leave and he's gonna buy a blue car do you like blue cars and it was the weirdest and it stuck with me for two weeks because I don't understand what the fuck he was talking about and also they just that was the end of the scene like they just moved on like that was it, a, it doesn't, well, and just, then, I what? think the only transition it has is that you know in the song everyone's wearing blue is that right? it Oh my yeah, that's, God. that's it. And that's the thing, right? It's like Garen Johar thinking that he's saying something profound there. And oh, oh, you know what? This is like a neat little character trait or something. I'm like revealing something. But it's not. It's just fucking bullshit nonsense. It broke my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, who cares? Who cares about us shitting on this movie? We actually have somebody that did something. Oh. And we're just talking about how much we hated it. Mizma, um, <laughs> you were on set. Talk to us about what your experience was with this. Yeah, so in short, I was the assistant to Karan George's assistant. So it was a very drawn, drawn out role. I was, a, I was a PA, production assistant. I honestly didn't have a lot to do. I was just there, uh, just doing basic stuff, like with the extras telling them where to go. Uh, I wasn't doing any heavy lifting or shifting. I was essentially just making sure from an extras perspective, just sort of like controlling and coordinating them. That was my main role. Like they had to, when the scene was done, there was a space where all the extras were. I would just tell them to go there. And when the scene was ready to be shot, I would tell them to come back out. So it was a very menial role in that sense. But it was just amazing 
to be on the set. It was amazing to see Shah Rukh, Priti, Rani, Abhishek live in character, out of character, and also Karan Johar and his and his dialogue uh, writer. I connected with this dialogue writer because I spent a lot of time with him. And you can see in Niranjan Ayengar, who was his dialogue writer, has worked with Karan Johar for many, many movies. All these dialogues that you, you hear them are, are, are his words. Uh, there's a lot of uh, promiscuous stories about the set. There, there are times when Karan Johar <laughs> saw me and I thought that he was hitting on me and his group actually asked to come out that one night and it was actually a gay club. I didn't know that. So mm-hmm. I didn't think Karan Johar was gay at that time because he didn't really come out of the closet. He wasn't really sure where he sat. But it was intriguing at that time and I'm like, why is he going to a gay club? And then four <laughs> years later, you know why. Did, is Karan Johar out of the closet? Yeah. Now he's officially out. And you know what? I think as far as that stuff goes, he's been pretty vocal. And if you go back and if you read his stuff, it, you know, it, it's pretty interesting, you know, how he put it out there. And it's pretty brave. Like, you know, he wrote in his autobiography, he was pretty blatant about it. He's like, I know what I am. Everybody can guess exactly what my sexuality is. But we live in a country because this is before 2018 when that law got reverted. He was like, you know, but we live in a country where if I admit it, I can be put in jail. Mm-hmm. And we talked previously. Uh, I think we talked about you know Karan Johar how he handles homosexuality on film right and there's a scene in this also where it just feels like it's forced on you know he's just he's uh, Shah Khan is walking down the street and he comes up to a guy and the guy I don't know he just kind of says I'm gay yeah I think that's Karan Johar's like clumsy way of trying to introduce the conversation into like the Hindi movie medium I don't hate that I think you know it's the best that he could do at the time dude the amount of gay people working on his set and and he employs a lot of gay people like he's his assistant director for that movie Puneet Malhotra goes out to make student of the year Ayan Mukherjee goes out and makes uh, Ye Jawani Hai Diwani Tarun Manukhsani goes out and makes Dostana. I mean, some of his assistant directors went out and made big movies. A lot of people on his set were gay and he gives them a good platform. This stuff is complicated. It's a, it's a tough conversation to have. A lot of times it feels like, hey, everyone should be on the same page, especially in like the social media era that we live in now. But again, we are dealing with a culture, our culture, that has been extremely, not just insensitive about it, but it's been violent against it, right? So it's like, how do you, how do you kind of find your place within that? But, you know, aside from like that part of it, what was it like? I don't know if you got to interact with Shah Rukh Khan on set or if you just got to see him. What was it like, you know, seeing him kind of on and off the set? One thing that I realized, so these sets were obviously, they used to run for 12 to 16 hours and they were very, very grueling. They were very exhaustive. What I realized as the movie went on, as, as we were getting to the later part of the hour, you realized that everyone is generally just tired because you've been on the set for 10 hours. You're doing the same scene over and over again with different camera angles. There's one thing about Shah Rukh Khan and it is unbelievable on how his energy level actually kept increasing as the time went on. I'd like to think that he's nocturnal. So maybe it's just because the night kicked in and he was just in a different gear. He never showed up on set on time. But by that, I don't mean like he was ever super late, like how he might have been in India. You know, he would show up like maybe 30 minutes late, 45 minutes late. Every time he showed up on set, he would apologize to the entire set. Once again, man, you hear about him. You see him in movies. But I'm telling you, every single time he showed up on set or when he was there, it just felt that someone has entered the room. It was just larger than life. And and 
I'm not talking. He's not even dressed. He's just in his like jeans and t-shirts. I mean, it was it was fall when we were shooting, like August and September. He was just in the most casual attire. He would just own the place. It was just some aura. I'm not able to relate that if it was me, it was just everyone else. But that's how I felt. You're like my posters are coming to life. <laughs> and I and I vividly remember the hardest thing for me to do was to go and talk to him the first time. Uh, we were shoot. They were shooting the ballet scene, and this was by where. Uh, the New York mayor's offices right across from there. And I was outside and Shah Rukh Khan came outside and he started smoking a cigarette. He was by himself. He was going through his phone. And I kid you not, for those 10 minutes, I was just trying to figure out a way to go and approach him and shake his hands. Like I was thinking of different lines. What am I going to say? How am I going to do this? What not? You should have said you're not allowed to smoke here. <laughs> and so eventually I was like, Mizbah, you can do this. <laughs> you know, like I just, I just went into it. I took my hands out. I'm like, Assalamu alaikum, Shah Rukh Bhai. Oh, snap. Oh, nice. Did you want Dab? There you go. That's exactly what your parents would want you to do. That's the reason why they raised you Muslim. And he goes, Walaikum Salaam. And, uh, and yeah, that was my instant. And then, but after that, just got a little bit more comfortable. There was another production assistant who was, he was a good looking guy and he was very much into religion and, and, and philosophy. And so between sets, there was, there were, there were a lot of conversations about, or what I can remember about was about religion just freedoms and how Christianity is different from Hinduism and, and Islam and, and Shah Rukh Khan had, a, had very very interesting points to make in those conversations hmm. uh, one of the production assistants told me that on the first day of the sh- of the shoot he was sitting in a wardrobe room and so this production assistant I think she was black she goes in and she goes sorry sir you're not supposed to be here she didn't know who he was he just got up and left and later on when she found out this was Shah Rukh Khan uh, it was just an unbelievable thing for her you could see hmm. on the set for example there were times when it was cold and Rani Mukherjee was feeling cold in some of these scenes. Shah Rukh Khan would be like, guys, let's do it fast. Ronnie's getting cold. He was very, very conscious about his co-stars and, and people around him. So in, in all essence, like it, it was just amazing on how he handled himself. One thing I also remember very vividly is that I think he was in a suit and he was trying to go somewhere after, right after the movie scene. And none of the changing rooms were available because you know other, other actors were there. He had his assistant. This is right in the middle of the set, guys. I mean, he's the set is down now. He has his assistant take this big cloth, like Dhoti, did they say? Pull it around him and he really changes right there. He takes off his pants, puts on his jeans, and he's out and about. So for someone of that character not thinking about like his, his it just struck me. And why it struck me is because I saw how Rani Mukherjee was on set. It was unbelievable. Ooh. Like she was pretty snobby. She didn't want to talk to anyone. And you know, maybe, and that's what it is. That's how I believe actors are supposed to be maybe when you are at a certain fame. And so that's why Shah was such a contrast. Yeah, I think it's probably different for actresses also. I mean, I'm not sure what all they go through. But yeah, but that's kind of amazing that, you know, somebody of Shah caliber is still kind of a pretty cool dude. I guess he was interacting yeah. with people. Karan Joho's movies are all about like his sets. And this is, I mean, I, I heard about it. I hear more about it. It's all about who's sleeping with who I said there was a lot of flirting and at night I wasn't in the hotel but the next morning I would I would hear about stories oh she came to your room oh you're having a smile today this and that whatnot and there was a term that was coined skanks of kang <laughs> all right this movie would have gotten uh, shut the fuck down during the <laughs> me too era that's good to know yeah <laughs> This is what happens when Andy's not on the podcast. Yeah, so I know exactly. Canceled. We got uh, Andy. Uh, Andy skips one episode. We go straight to Skanks and Kings. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. What was craft uh, services like? <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine it was halal guys. 
they were mostly Indian food. It was absolutely terrible. It was mostly Indian food. And actually, that's when I actually got to interact with Abhishek Bachchan because I knew Abhishek Bachchan was a big soccer fan and Raheel knows about my love for Manchester United. You didn't have to do the accent, man. Everyone <laughs> so we were, you know, he was having food and I took my food. I, t- I took a late lunch at that time and I was looking where to sit. And he actually said that, hey, dude, just come sit over here. And, you know, we just started casual conversations about where I'm from, what I'm doing here, how I got involved. And then we just started talking about soccer. And then I remember this because Rani Mukherjee came. She made sure she sat away from even Abhishek, which was bizarre. And Abhishek was eating in like the, the plastic place with plastic forks. But for Rani Mukherjee, a, a glass plate came out and then like proper silverware and proper spoons and what she was saying. That's why I just say, you know, you just felt that uh, a little bit about her. Priti Zinta was not like that because Priti Zinta showed up in the crew after party, which is a big deal. And she was more welcoming in terms of her someone approaching her I never got to see Amitabh Bachchan so that was my, next that was my idea no I never got to see Amitabh Bachchan I was never on the set when he was there on these sets on Kank like what was the did you guys speak in English primarily was it Hindi what was... no it was mostly it was mostly English but it was mostly the Indian accent English very very heavy Indian okay. accent English Shah Rukh Khan spoke Hindi even outside of his scenes so you know how different was that Obviously, this is like a huge mega budget Bollywood movie. How different is that set from like the stuff that you do now, which is, I would imagine, is smaller and more independent? So the shoot that Karan Johar did over here was is very different in what as opposed to what they do in Bollywood. He didn't build any sets over here. He used everything that was readily available to him. They used craft services where they were able to barter with them. They used hotel services, uh, accommodations where they could barter deals with them. I would probably say that from a set perspective, they didn't have any, uh, there were no sort of like Haddad trucks, right? They didn't, uh, the actors did not have their own rooms or their own places where they could sort of like go back and relax and whatnot, especially for outdoor scenes for the indoor ones they did have they, they did have rooms for them i'd probably say if i were to compare them with the with the, with the movies that i've done there was a world of a difference in terms of the number of people because when you're doing a 15 million dollar budget movie there's a lot more people involved in your set you have multiple people working in different departments uh, but when you're doing an you know when you're doing an indie film based on the budget your your crew is smaller that said this movie was made for 15 million dollars back in 2006 what would that be worth right now what would 15 million dollars be worth right now Maybe twenty. Let, let me run the math. Twenty stock market. What's uh, Fahad? What's the uh, what's the game stock uh, <laughs> stock at right now? Uh, I think that's a two forty eight. <laughs> oh, there we go. So <laughs> carry the one AMC divided by. Oh, it's AMC. like it's about like a quarter of a bitcoin. There you go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so th- w- the point is that fifteen million dollars. When we do our films, when we do, I mean, the, the largest budget we've done is about $3 million. And we really, really carry that forward. We, we juice every single ounce of that dollar. But from Karan George's perspective, his sets were, the, the difference was the fact that, so if you're shooting something, we take one angle, two angles, maximum three angles. He made sure that he captured every single angle he wanted. And the reason why I know this is when you watch the movie, there is so much stuff that's not there. There's so much stuff. There's so many shots that are not there. It's just because I think that when it comes down to it, I don't want to say Karan Jor is a perfectionist by any means, uh, but I think that he just wants to capture each and every angle out. So I think that definitely goes with a larger movie set because you have the liberty uh, to do that uh, in terms of time. You have the budget because the longer your movie is in production, the more money you are flowing. So that's the difference, right? I mean, mm. we want, if our shoot is 22 days, that's it. We cap it out over there. He was shooting for 
90 days in the U.S. That's a big duration for something to go that long. That's awesome, man. I'm surprised, Raheel, you've never been on movie sets. I think you'd enjoy it so much. I would, but, you know, I got responsibilities, man. What do you want from me? So we keep talking about, like, <laughs> stories and ideas and, and converting them into something real life. Todd, would you, uh, would you like to join uh, Mizba and my independent feature film, Skanks of Kanks? <laughs> <laughs> One thing that we didn't do, and we'll, we'll just run through it real quick. Let's just quickly rate the movie. Negative five to five. Zero is completely average. You don't feel anything about it. Five blew you out the water. And negative five, uh, you fucking hated mm-hmm. this piece of shit. For me, this kank, kank is a, a negative four. The only reason it's not a negative five is because of Amitabh Bachchan's scenes that I mentioned and Abhishek Bachchan. Otherwise, and I guess the music was decent. Yeah, we didn't talk about the music, but I do have fond memories of this, of some of the songs on this soundtrack. This yeah, song. I, I thought it was a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah. While I'm at it, I'm also going to rate Shah Khan on a negative five to five <laughs> scale. Same and he gets negative five Charohans. That's this is in all of the movies that I've seen. I've seen there have been some bad movies. There have been worse movies. I think for a movie with this much budget, this much talent, this much time, this is indefensible. And he gave the worst performance of his career in this movie. Wow, man, there's a lot of hate there. I mean, what what what, what happened there right is. before you watched this movie? No, the movie happened. I tried cheating Nothing on my wife. Watch work. the fucking movie. I say, hey, Mizzo, why don't you give us your ratings? Once again, man, I wish I did not watch this movie again for me to give it a zero rating. Because if I if I didn't watch this movie again, I would have probably given it a negative three. But the fact that I watched it again, I'm giving it a zero. Because a lot has to do with the fact that I saw, after a long time, a 2000-era movie of Shah Rukh Khan. And I realized that how charming he was on the screen and how much... Um, you know how much of that uh, once again I, I did like his comic timing in this so those are the things that I picked up on those f- from that angle and that's the only angle that I would probably say maybe I should go back and watch DDLJ and then I come back on the show and give it a negative five maybe that, maybe, maybe, maybe that will change <laughs> yeah. my mind that, 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 I, I think exactly. that would do it for you because I think this is all, yours is yeah. heavy nostalgia and <laughs> that's that's fair but um so I'll respect your rating, but I'm going to put an asterisk next to it and say... And on Shahrukh's acting, yeah. I would probably give it um, yeah, a negative three on that one. Because I think, like I said, I think the, the, the saving grace was his comic timing. I just was not able to connect with any of his serious scenes, any of the scenes where he's angry, his cynicism. But at the end of it, I do think that the fact that it speaks about relationships, it speaks about individuals who are frustrated and sort of like trying to be an antagonist. Like There's just so much going on over there that I think that now that I'm married, there are aspects of it that you can actually look into and see that, okay, this does not make sense. But the idea, the premise that he's trying to set, that was something that I was able to sort of like understand i accept your review i accept your rating i'll add it to my, the files the official Raju Bangaya <laughs> podcast files but i will put right. an asterisk next to it uh radio your ratings i'm guessing negative five and negative five i'd say you know what pod just because i want to beat you negative 4.5 <laughs> um, the only reason why it doesn't get full-on negative five is because the slow version of the soundtrack i still really really appreciate yeah that's pretty good is a fantastic song. those are the two only saving graces of this movie other than that it is repulsive it is abusive i hate this movie i hate Shah khan in this movie negative five i hate everyone that was involved i hate everyone that was on set uh, <laughs> in this movie. Dude, uh, where's, the, where's, the, where's the party tonight i mean that was my song man i know 
And you know, I hate, I hate like the mental, like the the mental space. Just listening to that song put me in. Why was John Abraham in that? Uh, he likes to do his special <laughs> appearances, uh, Karen Johar. But dude, can you imagine they did this the bloody sex scene on Where's the Party Tonight? I mean, this is just the, exactly. that was just so disconnected. That was just so disconnected. Oh, that that's is true. I didn't even so think about that. So emblematic of the problems with this movie. Yeah, right? you know, I've gotten a complaint that for people who do a podcast about Shah Rukh Khan. We really fucking hate Shah Rukh Khan. They're very confused as to why we do this. And my answer to them was, uh, I'm also confused as to why I do this. So, you know, it all works. My answer to them is to go listen to the DDLJ episode. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, it's very, it's very love hate with Shah Rukh Khan. <laughs> and it's only, and it's only because I expect better. Like, you know, it's the people that are closest to you that can hurt you the worst. I, I think true. that it's an excellent idea that you guys chose to do this, but like, I'm still confused as, is it, is it just because you guys are trying to figure out why Shah Rukh the, why, why is he who he is? Is that the reason? That's what it started out as, as like, can we chart an evolution of Shah Rukh Khan? And to some degree, I think we can. Uh, there's distinct phases to his careers. There's distinct things that he's doing. And it's also interesting to think about, especially when you watch movies like Virzara and like Suarez, like what is going on politically right. at the time and how does that line up with uh, his filmography. But I think if if there's going to be like a neat conclusion at the end of this, you know, <laughs> like I, I don't think I, I still am very conflicted about Shah Rukh Khan. When he's great, he's great. But when he's terrible, he's fucking terrible. But you guys chose to do Shah Rukh Khan because he means something. Because he means. No, he means something to us too. Like, I mean, other movies, I can watch a Salman Khan movie and it could be the worst movie and I'm not going to be upset. You know what I mean? Like, I get mad at Shah Rukh Khan because I, I know he can do better. And I know that he can give us more. Or like Shah Khan is, when you think Bollywood superstar, right? If you just think of the phrase Bollywood superstar, first person you think of is Shah Khan. And Bollywood has such a big impact on us culturally, just Desis. So if you're going to be charting one specific actor's career, Shah Khan is the one to do it on, right? I think... That's probably why these guys initially started. At this point, I think they're just beholden to it. It's like a curse. It's like, you know, when you get like a Fitbit and then every day you're just like, fuck, I got to do my 10,000 steps. So I think they're just getting to the end of like their 10,000 steps at this point. But, but you know, we, we are at a point, and especially with COVID, and you get to see so much more content coming up, uh, especially a lot of Indian content, right, on Netflix and Amazon. And, and a lot of that is very true to reality. And you're seeing even the Bollywood films that are happening right now. They're very much true to reality. Ranbir Kapoor, Ranbir Singh, uh, all these new age actors are are picking films that actually help define their characters. And I'm not only singling these guys out, even other movies that are being made are such, uh, are made with such intensity when it comes to real life situations, when it comes to social or political causes, or uh, you don't see the over the top stuff uh, you know, becoming super duper hit in that sense. Uh, so what's interesting is that uh, Shah Rukh Khan, Salman, Amir, they all came through a very transitionary period from a cultural aspect, right? We were going from no cell phones to cell phones to iPads and iPhones and now social media. And they've been through all this era. It'll be interesting to see how the next five, 10 years for these Khans 
translate because there's so much more realism out there now. Do we still hang on to who they were? I don't think that they can be accepted for what they were before. I don't think people have the patience. Sit through like a three and a half hour traditional Bollywood banger? Whatever, exactly. Like, do you think if Kabi Khushi Kabi Gum came out right now, do you think it would have been successful? That's interesting. I don't, I mean, I don't know, especially now, you know, given... DDLJ, I feel, can be, right? I mean, if you didn't see any of the movie, DDLJ, I feel, can still get you those emotions. I don't know. I don't know about these larger-than-life set movies and glamorous stuff, and even Shah Rukh Salman and Amir, right? I mean, Amir, maybe he's different. He just bangs hits after hits because he has molded himself into someone who just takes on different characters, and he's the character. He's not Amir Khan. But we'll see. I think what's interesting about, like, Bollywood and India in general is, like, stuff in America, there's... Like the biggest movies are oftentimes like these Christian movies that we've never seen or heard of, but they gross tons of money at the box office and they appeal to a different part of America than what mm-hmm. we're in. And I think that that disconnect is so much greater in India that this is where like art meets commerce. And as long as the majority of India is going to pay for these types of movies and like these actors they're going to have jobs and these movies are going to continue to be made even though maybe the more urban or educated crowd or whatever might be past that which it kind of feels like we are right but i think there's always going to be a place for this traditional bollywood type of format that's right yeah that's what's yeah, it hey man, thank you yeah well, finally like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I was into this thing, you finally said something good um, um <laughs> no i'm joking it's how you look at Indian movies, right? I think for me personally, when I want to watch an Indian movie, I want to get like the big Bollywood feeling. DDLJ is actually different, but I don't know when's the last time that you watched it. We watched it for this for the podcast recently. It's a way smaller movie than I remembered it. The movie itself, the impact that it's had on India and the world and basically Daisy's all over the place is huge. But the movie itself, if you watch it, it's very tight. But then again, that's a once in a generation film. I don't know how I would react to like a Kabi Khushi Kabi Ram. I still would want to have like that late 90s, early 2000s Indian movie outings that we used to have. I still kind of yearn for that stuff. So if there are movies that are going to be coming out like that, I would be down to go watch. I agree with you. If DDLJ comes out right now, things might be different. And and this is what happened, right? Aditya Chopra was after Shah Rukh Khan for three years or two years to do DDLJ. And he kept refusing him. He told him that I don't want to do a chocolate lover boy. He did not. He was doing bangers like action films, Anjam and Bazigar and those movies. He did not want to basically go into this lover boy role. And Aditya Chopra told him that you're going to win the hearts when you win the hearts of mothers and daughters. That's what Aditya Chopra told him. After two years, when he said yes to that movie, you're right. You look at that movie, it's not any over-the-top movie set. It's it's just a very, very well-crafted movie that's written really well. And I think you're right, Raheel. It's actually a cinema-changing movie. And you know Another movie that I think did that at a later stage was Dil Chata Hai because that's when you sort of like went through this, you know, these clunky backdrop dancers to like pro- proper backdrop dancers. It's something as simple as that, right? You know, everyone on the on on the screen made had to make sense. So from that sense, yeah. and just the storyline, just how the culturally, you know, from a fashion perspective, the hairstyle, the storyline. And so to me, that's, you know, you're right. DDLJ was different. Dil Chata was different. And- exactly. Yeah. So those are the ones I think of, right? In my lifetime, I think of, the first one I think of is just because yep. it was a huge movie in my childhood. Next one is DDLJ. And the next one is Dil Chata. And then after that, I lost my interest in, in Hindi movies, but it feels like things like, yeah. movies are kind of where it's headed now. But that's still with the Dil Chata Hai theme, right? I mean, I'm not... Mm-hmm. I, yeah. 
it's still yeah, the, the yeah. I, I, I don't sure. know because you're getting so much content now there's just so much content so many movies are being made streaming movie theaters i'm not sure that how that next shift is going to come about and you know but the when you were talking about like these like religious movies that aren't even kind of in our purview like you know we don't think about them at all i think where the 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 comparison with indian movies there is like south indian movies Mm -hmm. right like every year like one of like the biggest hits like box office wise when it comes to indian cinema is a south movie like bahubali which is a movie i've never seen is apparently a huge movie and i think there's an audience there that traditional hindi movie watchers just don't connect to or mm-hmm. you know they, or there's there's movies out there that we just don't watch but it exists and i don't know how much it's worth to like explore that stuff or if i'd have like the patience to like sit through it because to me as an outsider it feels cheesy but i don't know i mean i i think maharashtan movies are also getting a lot of shine these days they get really good actors and they have mm-hmm. The story. I think um, what Bollywood should do next, an untapped area, is like I, I, I guess it's not really untapped because they've done it, but like historical movies, maybe not. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's there's room for for something it's, there. Jor's next movie was supposed to be about Aurangzeb, the emperor, oh. and his fight with his brothers and stuff like that. And I was really looking forward to it. I don't know what's going on with it now. I don't know if you know. He should book. not do a war, yeah. a big <laughs> historical movie. He should. I mean, he's built, Karan Johar has built a massive, massive empire with the Dharma Productions. I mean, his protégés are making good movies. He has, you know, he has a line of movies where he does these over-the-top stuff. Then he has stuff which is getting picked up by Netflix and Amazon. And he's doing sort of like, sort of like an indie flavor stuff as well. But he himself, when he goes to direct something, he is definitely going to pick out something that's going to be over the top. It's, it's going to have the Karan Johar feel to it. I don't remember. The, what was his last movie? I don't know if it was something like Student of the Year. I don't know if that was him. Um, that was I, him I know his last yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Student of the Year, right? So you, it's been a while. So I just hope if he does a movie right now, he actually does it with the times, with the times that he's in. Just going back to student, student of the year was a good, you know, college flick, whatnot, introducing actors. Once again, maybe I'm just living in a different era, man. Maybe I'm because I'm in the U.S. Times are different. Uh, you're probably right, Fahad. Maybe, maybe these over-the-top stuff is what India is waiting for. Maybe they are waiting for Karan George to do that. So it'll be interesting to see that. Mizba, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. I learned so much. And I think your wife is going to learn a lot also. <laughs> so thank you for that. And I'm going to have to send uh, clips of this to her separately. But She helped me She helped me prep for this. So Oh, good. Anyways, we really appreciate your passion. It was actually interesting to hear about the stuff on this set, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a nice, that's a nice new perspective that we haven't had. We're used to um, examining these movies just as viewers, right? So it's, it's really cool to, to hear about stuff. Yeah, man. No, thank you for having me. I uh, I've been waiting for a long time to be here. So from that perspective, thank you very much. And we have to do something, brother man. We have to. It you know these conversations get the juices flowing, the ideas flowing, and things going on. Uh, as a matter of fact, tonight I'll send you something for you to read and give you a process. It's a two pager. It's it. a very short storyline. The first page is fuck, and the second page is you. <laughs> Is there is there anything that you've worked on that people can check out or that you want? Yeah, them to absolutely, check out or... man. Uh, my movie Money is on uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime. So give it a look. It's a it's a nice thriller. My producing partner's film, nice. Remember Me. Uh, I wasn't involved in that film, but our company was. So Remember Me, 
and money both on uh, remember me is on amazon prime and money is on netflix awesome you're gonna get the raju bangaya podcast mm-hmm. bump so that's gonna be i'll watch it and my wife will watch it and uh that's probably hopefully any after editing this interview yes like real said thanks so much man this was a great conversation and we took up way too much of your time but uh really appreciate it and um yeah guys that was raju bangaya podcast thanks bye मेरे मन ये बता दे तू किस ओर चला है तू क्या पाया नहीं तूने क्या ढूंढ रहा है तू जो हैन कही जो हैन सुनी वो बात क्या है बता मितवा और चला है तू क्या पाया नहीं तूने क्या ढूंढ रहा है तू जो हैन कही जो हैन सुने वो बात क्या है बता मितवा मित्रवा ये खुद से